Hi guys and welcome back to God's Goals Podcast. Today we're looking at the book of Esther. Esther is one of my favorite books um, in the Bible. Um, it basically follows the story of a young lady and her cousin Mordecai and how they use her position as she becomes queen to save their people. Okay, but you know, as I was reading it some more, I saw some other little highlights, some other little helpful hints in there, and I thought I would share it with you guys, okay? So stay tuned, and we'll get into Esther just a little bit deeper. God's Goals. God's Goals. Recentering our focus on Christ. So, let's start with the background of the story, right? So, background of the story is, we have this king uh, called King Xerxes. Y'all, please be patient with me with these names, (laughs) because... It's a struggle. It is a struggle. Okay. But anyway, we have this king, uh, King Xerxes, and uh, he is throwing this huge party, basically. The party lasts, for, I, I, don't quote me, but I was like almost like 187 days. It is a big, long party that he throws for all his uh, king, you know, like kingdom is providence. Is, I don't know, whatever it's called. This <laughs> is. Anyway, he's throwing this huge party for all his people, right? All his people and friends and all this stuff. And um, at the end of the party, like the the last little bit of it, uh, he is wanting to bring down his wife and I guess kind of show her off, which is Queen Vashti. Uh, it says he had been having a little, little wine, so he's a little, you know, well, just say he had wine. Let me not add to the text, right? It just said he had a little bit of wine. He was, uh, you know, happy in spirit. So, uh, nevertheless, he asked his queen, uh, Queen Vashti, his wife, to come down. And I guess to kind of like show her off because it says she was very beautiful. Wear her crown. You know, get dressed. Put your crown on, girl. Come on down here and, you know, be cute in front of my friends. And she said, no, not today. I don't. <laughs> I don't feel like it. I will not be coming down to the party. <laughs> so, uh, so she said no, and he was infuriated. He was extremely upset, and um, and he was like, "What are we gonna do about this? Like, she's not listening. What can I do?" So he went to his advisors and said, "You know, what can I do? She's not. She didn't come down like I asked her to. Da 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 da. Blah blah blah." So they suggested, "Hey, look." If you don't get some control, every wife, every woman in this kingdom is going to think that she can act like that with her husband and then we're going to have a whole big mess on our hands. So we suggest you send her away, you know, kind of like excommunicate yourself with it, like divorce basically almost, right? So go ahead and send that out to everybody. Let everybody know you don't mess with her. You don't deal with her anymore. Y'all, I am so paraphrasing. This is not the scripture word for word. Look, so don't don't jump on me. This is so paraphrasing, okay? I'm totally paraphrasing the story. So, um, they said, you know, send her away. Let everybody know, you know, that, you know, that y'all no longer have any deal, dealings with each other. Um, like I said, it's, I, I took it as more like, basically, letting everybody know you're about to divorce or whatever. So, he did that. But then later, he was kind of like, 
again this is how i interpret it it seemed like he missed her right or he kind of was rethinking everything that he did like mm, was i did i do that was i too hasty was i you know just all of my feelings was i upset and and sent her away i don't know and so his vibe just said it's cool it's cool it's cool let's find you another you know another lady we're gonna you know get some young virgins and we'll like bring up uh the most beautiful you know women um you know of the land and we're gonna bring them to you and you can have your choice have your pick and so he's like all right i like that idea so so here we go so that's kind of the background of what happened so now we jump it into how esther has entered in the picture okay so uh it describes esther as a very beautiful young lady right and she becomes part of this group of women that they're uh, uh, gathering up for the king, okay? So she becomes uh, part of this group. And we just, let's go down and just kind of see how everything, how everything works out, how everything uh, unfolds. Okay, so the first thing is um, Esther is chosen, <laughs> right? She is picked, right? Uh, so let's go to uh, Esther, the book of Esther, chapter 2, and we'll read 8 through 9. As a result of the king's decree, Esther, along with many other young women, was brought to the king's harem at the fortress of Susa and placed in Haggai's care. Haggai was very impressed with Esther and treated her kindly. He quickly ordered a special menu for her and provided her with beauty treatments. He also assigned her seven maids specially chosen from the king's palace. And he moved her and her maids into the best place in the harem. So right off bat, we see Esther is getting favor from God. When you are... Or when God has sent you or placed you a place, you better know that he's with you. And he obviously was with Esther from the jump, as people say, from the get-go, from the beginning, all right? However you want to say it, he was with Esther and it showed because she obtained favor um, from um, Haggai, right? And we're going to see that that was helpful. I mean, it was helpful immediately. He gave her, he gave her the special menu because, again, she was Jewish. He provided her with beauty treatments, and so on and so forth. So, uh, and gave her the best place, all right, in the harem. So we saw that immediately. Um, that favor was on Esther. Okay, so that's one thing, right? Favor, that favor. When you where God wants you to be, that favor is something crazy right okay so let, let's go a little deeper into the story so so now Esther's going through this process she's prepping herself to see the king so let's just go read a little deeper so it says Esther was the daughter of Abihel Abihel y'all help me <laughs> Abihel <laughs> who was Mordecai I don't know if we brought up Mordecai now Mordecai is her cousin right um, he raised Esther, right? So he's raised Esther. He's 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 very important in this story. So I just want to be clear. Mordecai is definitely part of this story, and he is Esther's uh, cousin. But he raised Esther, right? Okay. So it says Esther was the daughter of Abigail, who was Mordecai's uncle. Mordecai had adopted his younger uh, cousin Esther. 
when it was Esther's turn to go to the king, she accepted the advice of Haggai, the eunuch in charge of the harem. She asked for nothing except what he suggested, and she was admired by everyone who saw her. So, that's another point right there. She took Haggai's advice. She was obedient to what he told him. She didn't thought she knew more than him. She didn't say, Mama handle this, I'm cute. I could do this on my own. No. She took his advice and it paid off. And that's why I said even obtaining that favor from him in the beginning paid off as well. But that favor really was from God that he noticed her and that he liked her enough to kind of give her little tips and, and, and give her the best and this and this. And that Esther was humble enough to receive his advice and do what he told her to do. Because who better? You know, who knows the kingdom, the palace better than somebody that has been working there, right? So he advised on what to do and she did it. Okay, and just so just for reference, that scripture I just read was Esther 2.15. Okay, so we have that going on. Esther's doing good. She's she's being loved and admired by everyone who saw her. So not bad. Mordecai's baby cousin is doing good. So now let's look at what's going on with Mordecai. So while Esther is in the palace getting cute and winning favor with people, we got Mordecai dealing with another little situation. And that situation is Haman. Okay. Haman is this man that has been elevated, and we'll read about that soon, to this position of power, right? And he um, he is fixated on the fact that Mordecai refuses to bow to him okay Mordecai said can't do it won't do it not gonna do it it ain't in me I bow to one God and that ain't you and now while everyone else is uh respecting the rule and respecting Haman's position to be bowed to to you know kind of be praised and all this stuff Mordecai did not end it shows you how arrogant uh, Haman is and how prideful he is. Everybody else listening, this one man is bugging him so much. This one man is getting so much under his skin. Okay, but Mordecai said, I'm not doing it. I'm not bowing to anybody. I'm, I'm not compromising my values. I'm not compromising my beliefs to win your favor because he could have been like everybody else and bowed to him and, and, and you know and praised him so that he would get in Haman's good grace but Mordecai refused so let's go to uh Esther 3 and 2 and it says to win favor um I'm sorry <laughs> it says uh all the king's officials would bow down before Haman to show him respect whenever he passed by. For so the king had commanded. But Mordecai refused to bow down or show him respect. Esther 3 and 2. So this man has been um, put in a higher position. We said that already, right? Uh, it said a little bit after Esther had got her thing. So verse 1 really says, sometimes later, King Xerxes promoted Haman, son of Hamadada, Hamadada, <laughs> the Agiite, right? Over all the other nobles, making him the most powerful official in the empire. So 
that's the position he was in. And I guess I can understand it a little bit. He feels like, hey, I'm more, you know, I'm the, power, I'm the most powerful person in empire next to the king. And this guy, he won't put no respect on my name. He won't respect me. And so, uh, but not letting that go, that pride that got to him, ultimately it's going to be his downfall, right? We're going to see that it's going to be his downfall. So, we have him. We have Mordecai that's not compromising. And we have a problem. Because now he is on Haman's radar. And Haman devises a plan to say, you know what? He don't have no respect for me. I'm going to take care of him. I am going to take care of him. I don't just want him. I'm going to mess with everybody he's associated with. So he comes up with this plan to have a day. And I'm giving a short version, guys. Have a day that all that he's that they've picked through lots of randomly to have all the Jews killed. To have every Jew killed and also to have the people that kill the Jews to take their property. Men, women, children, old, young, kill them all if they're Jewish. And so... All because Mordecai would not bow. Do y'all see what I'm saying about Hayden's thought? Okay, but anyway, his thought process is just... But okay, anyway, so we have that situation going on. So here we are with a decree that the king agreed to because he brought it to the king and said, Look, king, I got this idea. They got these people. They ain't really listening to what you told everybody to do. You know, they doing their own thing. I say get rid of them. Get rid of them. And uh, we'll pay this amount and we're going to get rid of them. Let's, let's do that. And the king said, cool, cool. I like that plan. Let's do it. So he signed off of it. Once the king signed off on it, that's it. It went out to different places. It went out to everywhere. And so, um, so now we have that out. And now we have Mordecai in total despair. Not even just for himself, but for his people. So let's look at... Uh, uh, chapter 4 and 3 it says and as news of the king's decree reached all the provinces there was a great mourning among the Jews they fasted, wept, and wailed and many people lay in burlap and ashes so they were they were in despair, they were in mourning, they were hurt they were like this is not good now the decree that went out was to happen a year later right, not immediately but a year later, nevertheless they were like what are we going to do Right? Right? But you know, they kept their faith. So let's see what happens after that. So Mordecai thinks, okay, I'm going to go to Esther, who at this point, she has pleased the king so much, he has made her queen. That he was very pleased with her, above all the other women. And so he made her queen. So Esther is now in the position of queen. So Mordecai thinks, well, I'm going to go to, you know, to my cousin, my cousin's cousin, and talk to her to see if she can do something. So, you know, he comes, and he is welling, he is weeping, he is in his burlap, and he's at the gates, and she's like, what's going on? Like, why are you upset? She sends someone out there to talk to him, because he can't come in in a way, the way he is in that burlap, and she sends him clothes so he can come in, and he refuses. He's like, look, child, we got a real situation here. I'm not wearing no royal clothes. Let's talk. So, uh, he tells the person that she sends out there what's going on about the decree that's being sent out and, uh, and everything like that. So, 
Esther told him like, you know, <laughs> that's bad. But look, I can't just walk up on the king like that. You know, he has to call for me and he ain't did that in at least 30 days. Like, I can't just walk up on him like that. Anybody that walks, you know, just enters can um, be put to death if he doesn't hold out his golden uh, scepter. And so she was basically telling me, you know, I, I, I can't really do that. I don't, you know, I can't do that. So let's look at what Mordecai tells her. Uh, he says, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. So just to stop right there. So in all the wailing and in all the crying and in all the fasting, and the mourning and the burlap and the ashes he still believed God for his rescue he still believed God for a rescue he knew if it didn't come from her it would come from some other place right that's what he said so even in our despair we have to trust that God has a plan and that he will rescue us even when it's looking you know very gloomy very very bad we have to trust that he has a plan for us okay so, uh, so this is verse 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 4 here. It says, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just a time as this. Okay, so he's saying, look, don't think you're going to sit in that little palace. And think you will be spared it's not going to happen and if you do do that know that uh god still is going to save us it may come from somewhere it's going to come from somewhere other place and your relatives will still die right and he's telling her who knows maybe this is why you were even chosen to become queen so, yeah, and look, 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 the next verse says, Mordecai sent this reply. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the, play, uh, in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. So he's like, you are part of this. So buck up. <laughs> all right. That's what he basically told her, did he not? Come on. He told her, don't think you're sitting on that throne. No, I'm not nah, really exaggerating. You know, but he told her, hey, don't think you're in that palace and you're not part of this. You're part of our people. You're part of this. And this affects you, too. She she realizes, okay, this is her moment. We all have moments in life that are pivotal, right? And it's many moments in life like that. But this is a moment that not only will change her life, but it affects other people around her. And she had to make a choice then whether she was going to step up and trust God or be fearful. And luckily, luckily, she did uh, step up and uh, trust God. And so this is what she told Mordecai. She told him, go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. Okay, and it says, so Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. And that is chapter 4, uh, verse 16 and 17. So, 
so she said, okay, I'll, I'll do what you suggest. And um, I'll go talk to him. So now Esther and Mordecai have this plan to save their people. Um, but guess what? While they are getting up this plan, Haman sees Mordecai at the gate upset and willing. And again, something just gets under his skin about this man. Something he cannot let go. Sometimes in life we have to let stuff go. <laughs> even when we feel people have wronged us. Even when we feel like they're not right or they should do this or they should respect us. and this, We have to let it go. Because sometimes it will be our downfall. It will be our downfall. So he sees him again. And it's not enough that he didn't send out this decree to get all the Jews killed. He's thinking, you know what? Mm -mm. I'm so sick of him. He goes back, tells his family and friends, and you know how they they can't stand him, and how he's excited about this and all this stuff. And they say, you know what? You should go to the king and get him killed, and pale him on a pole, and pale him on that, and tell it, you know, get him, go to the king and see if you can get him killed. He's like, you know what? I'm gonna do that. That's a great idea. But the plans people have for you. God is in control. Their plans don't always go through. Let's look and see what happens in chapter uh, 6, right? It says, that night, the king had trouble sleeping, so he ordered an attendant to bring the book of the history of his reign so it could be read to him. Chapter 6, 1 says he couldn't sleep. The king could not sleep that it was God's working in the favor of Mordecai because the king couldn't sleep the very night that Haman was concocting this plan saying, you know what, I'm going to go to the king, try to get him, uh, see if I can get him killed because I'm sick of Like it ain't, I can't wait a year. I cannot wait a year. I'm ready to get him right now. And I'm going to make this big pole for him to be impaled on and all this stuff. And so that same night, the king couldn't sleep. So he asks, you know, he's like, who, you know, who's out there? Tell him to come in some of his advisors. And it happened to be Haman because Haman was coming to tell him, look, can we kill Mordecai, right? So the king gets uh, his history of his reign read to him. And he realizes that Mordecai saved his life against two people that were trying to kill him. Two people that were in his house that were trying to kill him. Um, so he was like, oh, wait, what, what do we do for Mordecai for, you know, for saving my life for doing that? And, and you know, it's about so we, we haven't done anything yet for him. He said, okay, well, when you do something, so he's like, okay, so who's out there? And of course, like we just said, Haman is out uh, near the palace because he was coming to try to get Mordecai killed. And so he calls Haman in and said, and so let's see what happened from there. It says, uh, so Haman came in. And the king said, what should I do to honor a man who truly pleases me? So look at this pride that Haman has. See, that self-centeredness, it, it gets you every time. Haman thought to himself, hmm, would the king wish to honor more than me? <laughs> who he going to honor more than me? I'm it. So who, this must be for me. So he replied, if the king wishes to honor someone, he should bring out one of the king's own royal robes, as well as a horse that the king himself has ridden, one with a royal emblem on its head. Let the robes and the horse be handed over to the one the king, one of the king's most noble officials, and let him see the man whom the king wishes to honor is dressed in the king's robe and led through the city square on the king's horse. 
having have the official shout as they go. This is what the king does for someone he wishes to honor. Excellent, the king said to Hanan. Quick, take the robe and my horse and do just as you have said for Mordecai the Jew. You know Haman's face dropped right there. It was like, excuse me? <laughs> what? Come again? <laughs> and say, so he says, uh, have, uh, do what you just said, um, have said for Mordecai the Jew, who sits at the gate of the palace. Leave out nothing you have suggested. So Haman took the robe and put it on Mordecai, uh, put it on Mordecai, placed him on the king's horse, and led him through the city square shouting, this is what the king does for someone he wishes to honor. Afterwards, Mordecai returned to the palace gate, but Haman hurried home, dejected, and completely humiliated. Esther chapter six, six through 12. So here he was coming in to try to do horn to Mordecai and also to uplift himself. And he still was kind of thinking of Mordecai when he was telling him, oh, let's do the horse and the robe and shout this and that. And, and it turned out horrible for him. Okay, so that reminds me of this little scripture in Romans. And it says, and having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Romans 8, 30 and 31. So Mordecai was chosen. And it's saying if God has called you, you know, you it's all good. If God is for you, who can be against you? And we see that. We see that. We also see... Let's look at Psalms uh, 110 and verse 1. It says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Ain't nothing more than a footstool. And you're going around telling people how much you hate this man or hate a man and how you're going to kill him. And in the next moment, riding him around on the horse saying, This is what uh, the king does for someone he wishes to honor that's a footstool <laughs> that's a footstool <laughs> and so uh we see that god's hand is in all of this and it doesn't pay to be and wish evil and be hateful to someone because a lot of times it backfires and Haman is feeling the effects of it every time he looks up something is backfiring okay well, he doesn't realize until just then when he had to uh, get Mordecai and parade him around on that horse. Then he realized, okay, hold up now. Hold up, hold up. So let's look. Uh, let's let's get towards the end. Um, not towards the end of the story, but this is, here's our, let's get to our next point. So it says, uh, when Haman told his wife, Zeresh, y'all remember, be merciful with, with these names because it's... <laughs> It's hard. Um, anyway, when Haman told his wife, Zeresh, and all his friends what had happened, which means when he was parading Mordecai around on the horse and yelling out and all that stuff, um, his wise advisors and his wife said, since Mordecai, this man who has humiliated you, is of Jewish birth, you will never succeed in your plans against him. It will be fatal to continue 
opposing him. Wow. Wow. God's rep was already out there. His reputation had already. And I say it's God's reputation because what the Jews were known to be God's people, right? So she was trying to tell him, look, look, look. Everything you're trying to do ain't going to work. This man is Jewish and God is with the Jews. So everything you're doing is going to be fatal. You might as well stop hating them. Stop being mad at them. Let it go. Right? And that was uh, chapter 6, 13. But we're going to see it's too late. It is too late. He already didn't shot himself in the foot. It's too late. Okay, because remember Mordecai and Esther's plan. Um, she did go to the king. And he did reach out his gold scepter to her. And he did basically accept her. And so then, you know, he saw her. He was excited. What do you want? You know, even if it's half of the kingdom, whatever you want, you can have it. And so she tells him, okay, well, just come to this dinner and invite him. And I just want y'all, you know, one thought is a little dinner party face. So he comes, he eats, he's drinking. He's like, okay, now what do you really want? And she tells look, if it pleases you, please come again. Come, you know, one more time, you know, tomorrow and Haman too. Haman have no idea what's going on. He like, look, I'm so, I'm so good. I'm so big and bad. I got all this power. Even the queen just made a dinner for me and the king. I'm just on, you know, I'm just, oof. He's just feeling himself. And so, uh, so day two of the dinner, he comes. And so he, so the king asks his wife again, you know, like, what, what's really going on? What do, what do you really want? You know, whatever it is, you can have, even if it's half of the kingdom. And she says, okay, so this is what's really happening. And she breaks down with, you know, Haman, the decree. Well, first she said, there's a decree out that's going to kill me and my people. And at that time, I don't think no one really knew Esther was Jewish, right? Mordecai had advised her not to say anything. And so she had really disclosed that information. So Haman really didn't know he was going for the king. I mean, going for the queen when he went uh, for Mordecai. Nevertheless, he did. So Esther is telling the king about, you know, hey, this decree is going out. And it's, it's going to affect me, basically. It's my people. And she was like, you know, I would be so hurt. She's like, you know, if it was something like slavery, cool. You know, I could I wouldn't bother you. But this is, you know, this is, we're talking about killing my people. So he was like, who going to touch you? <laughs> right? I'll paraphrase it. Who would dare? And he was like, oh, she was like, oh, you don't know? Oh, your boy, hey, man, right there. Bam. Checkmate. It was over after that. The king was mad. He was furious. And so he left out and Haman knew it was on. He knew. He knew. He was like, oh, this is it for me. This is going to be my ending. And um, it, he knew it. He knew it so much that he fell, you know, fell onto the place where the queen was sitting. And that's, that really didn't sit well with the king. He said, oh, so now you're going to be all up on my woman in my face. No, just kidding. It didn't say it like that. But, you know, you get the gist. It just was a bad moment for Haman. They immediately took him out, right, especially when he when they found him, you know, like where the queen was because he was begging. The reason why he fell over there was because he was trying to beg Esther, please, please intervene on my behalf because he knew the king was going to kill him once he figured out all the stuff that was happening. So, um, and so it did not work. And that same pole that he wanted to uh, kill Mordecai, impale Mordecai on, they impaled him on that pole. And so, uh, not to make this podcast so long, um, we know that uh, 
they still went, you know, Esther still went back to the king and tried to get, to come up with a plan because the decree that went out, it cannot be reversed. It cannot be changed. So she was trying to come up with a plan um, to, to save her people. And also in this time, Mordecai is being elevated, right? He is being just stepped up in power and in authority at this point not only because he saved the king's life but just because everything that Mar Mordecai like we say God is with Mordecai so they come up with this plan that basically the Jews are going to fight back they're going to go to war with whoever want to go to war with them and we know they're going to win right because again what do we say when God is for you who could be against you and so they come up with this plan to allow the Jews to fight back to protect their families to protect their land and it works and it works and they fight back and they win right all the jews win a matter of fact they turn it to a whole celebration so they do it two days in a row they fight against people that or the enemy the jews that is and also within those two days haman's children haman's sons are impaled during this time so see haman it just didn't affect himself he didn't get himself killed. he got his children killed because he couldn't let something go with Mordecai. So to sum uh, some of these points up, I know it's been a lot, a lot. This is probably one of my longer podcasts. Um, but I just want to highlight some of the things I got. So we got favor from the beginning. We see the favor that worked on Esther's behalf as well as Mordecai's behalf in the story. We see obedience. Not only did Queen Esther not tell the king about um, her background at the time which maybe if Haman even knew who the queen was he might have rethought that decree but he didn't know that she was Jewish uh, he was so fixated on Mordecai also we saw that uh, Esther listened to uh, Haggai when getting advice on how to you know how to handle the king and what to do when in his presence and that paid off for her as well we saw that it was uh, that Mordecai was uncompromising. He was uncompromising in his faith. Um, what are we compromising with in life to win uh, the favor uh, of someone or something, right? Who, who or what are we bowing to to win the favor of? Who are we compromising our values for? So we see here, though, when you're uncompromising in your values and God and when I say values I'm really talking about God and what he wants for you in your life then we see it pays off in the end um, even in despair that God had a plan even when they were weeping and wailing um, not only did God have a plan but they trusted that God had a plan we saw that when Mordecai told Esther if it ain't you it's probably gonna be somebody else right and so he he knew that God was gonna rescue him um, they believed God to rescue them and he did, right? It, he was working in that favor because even as Haman was plotting to try to get Mordecai killed, God was messing with the king to where he couldn't sleep to try to remind him of what Mordecai did, right? And we also see that pride before fall. Poor Haman. His whole, he couldn't even enjoy his status because he was so fixated on Mordecai. And what Mordecai wouldn't do, and Mordecai won't bow to me, and Mordecai won't respect me, and Mordecai, 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 come on. Come on, Haman. And that hurt him in the end, not only him, but his children, right? So sometimes we have to let things go, even when we feel like people are hurting us or not right. And lastly, we see God's reputation being 
being what exalt because we have uh Haman's wife that was like look don't mess with them Jewish people Mordecai is a Jew you ain't gonna win so we know that people know the reputation and how God has protected his people and kept his people and looked out for his people and she's noticing that every little silly thing her husband trying to do is come it's backfiring a little bit so she said you you you're gonna lose this battle leave him alone Leave him alone, but we know by that time it was too late because as soon as she said that, the officials came to bring him to that dinner, and that dinner is where Esther revealed everything. So, like I said, Esther, y'all, <laughs> it was a lot. It, it was so much more than the story of a young lady and how she became queen and just saved her people. It was some lessons to be learned by a lot of the characters and a lot of the situations in the story, which is so like the Word of God. It's so much you can unpack it so many ways depending on when you read it and what time in your life. Thank you so much for listening to God's Goals Podcast. I don't want to end the podcast without offering Christ to any one of my listeners. Um, Romans 10 and 9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. There's more things to building up your spiritual walk and making that change. But the first step, confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead um, and you will be saved. Okay, so I have a podcast out called It's a Gift. Go to that podcast and it goes into more details about receiving that gift and and tools um, that you can use along the way as you strengthen your spiritual journey. I guarantee you accepting Christ will be the best thing you ever did. Go to that podcast and listen to it and get some information there. Okay. Thank you guys again for listening. See you next time. Bye. God's goals. Recentering our focus on Christ.